0: Spags, we are back. Today's a special day. This is the day that million-dollar teams are drafted, and you and I are going to compete for $3 million in Best Ball Mania 4.
1: Yeah, pretty crazy. I think we're the only stream going today, given what a historic day it's been for all the teams out there that have won millions of dollars in the past. But today, Pete and I will be the ones joining in. And Pete, it's kind of like that running back debate. Do you want the running back that did it before, or do you want the running back that's going to do it in the future? And I think we're the running back doing it in the future.
0: Uh, holy cow. I just like, I don't spend that much time on Twitter these days and I popped in yesterday and it was like, Oh my God, the running back discourse. Like that was the only thing going on yesterday on Twitter.
1: Yeah. I mean, do you have, I was going to put you on the spot and ask you like, what's your solution? Cause I've seen, I think Sam Sherman tweeted a take about it being giving uncapped contracts to those guys. I've heard in the past, uh, maybe contracts that don't count against the cap, maybe some combination of the both, but how do you solve the plight of big running back?
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's tough, right? Because I do think just the way the position now works, they are in a rough spot. And, and so then you asked, do you actually change the way the contracts work positionally to better reflect that the lifespan for running backs is really short? I think Adam Levitan had a suggestion of like, you change the contract duration and make it shorter you know, so they're only two years and that way they're up for paydays earlier than they'd otherwise be because yeah, it's just like right now, it makes sense for these teams to run their players into the ground. Even a guy like Tony Pollard, who's going to play this year on the franchise tag. It's like, they're just going to give him a ton of touches and then probably move on to another running back. So, um, yeah, I don't know if there's a perfectly elegant solution, but it probably does involve the players association negotiating a, a better contract set up for them.
1: Yeah, I think there's got to be something that changes overall or incentivizes teams. Like obviously the NFL did the Rooney rule stuff to try to uh, get more diversity in in terms of the hiring. So maybe you do that to prop up running backs a little bit. Or I guess you could just say like, you know, the free markets deciding what it's supposed to based upon team construction and all of that. And I think this has been really the, the reason, Pete, you're selling an I heart wide receiver shirt, not an I heart running back shirt, because that's just where the trend's been going for years
0: now. Exactly. And we are underway here in my 90th best ball mania draft. I am drafting from an all too familiar location at 111. Spags you are at 19 and select Stefan Diggs. How are you feeling?
1: Feel good about that. I actually on my Friday stream Pete, two drafts in a row, two 101s in a row for me. So I've been actually eating too well in terms of getting Justin Jefferson and some weird picks. So uh, where well, you're picking a great spot to pick for some people.
0: Uh, yeah, I don't, I honestly don't mind. I, it's more just like the monotony of picking from the back of the board. Like I want to mix it up a little bit, but I actually don't mind this spot. So, you know, I was going to get either AJ Brown or Bijan there. I was happy with either of them. And then I also know that regardless of what fake sharp does here, I'm going to get one of these three wide receivers. I like CD lamb, Garrett Wilson, or Devonte Adams. You can see, I have pretty smooth that exposures on all these guys. So I don't hate it from like a player selection and you know what it sets you up to do at various points in the draft, but I just, need some variety in my life right now speck
1: yeah i felt that way with the 101s like i take jefferson then it's like oh am i gonna reach for watson here i don't know but you get garrett wilson which i feel like a youthful room you're taking right away and uh well i'm gonna take a share pete of a guy that i think is on the way up that i've not taken enough of i know especially because i do believe he could be the rb1 uh nick chubb for me i never take an early running back but today's the day
0: yeah, I, uh, I keep referencing, uh, you know, uh, Eagles, the uh, the high volume underdog grinder who loves Nick Chubb. I believe his bio says Nick Chubb 101. And uh, he told me the other night I did a best ball after dark with him. And he's like, I think Nick Chubb is going to flip Bijan and be a regular first round pick as we enter kind of like the home stretch of drafting. And I was like, I could see first round pick. I do not see him jumping Bijan. But then lo and behold, I've been seeing screenshots of Nick Chubb in the early, not early first, but like mid to late first and even ahead of Bijan. And so I'm like, Holy cow, Eagles, the Nick Chubb Oracle. I agree with you. I, I think in most drafts, he's moving up, inching up. And I think too, if we do finally start to see some pushback against the piss boys, against all the, I love wide receivers and being like, what are we doing here? Like, I'm not taking you know, CD lamb ahead of Nick Chubb. Um, You know, I think that kind of mentality could eventually seep into the ADP in a way that makes him a staple of the first round.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I'm much like you, obviously I study at the altar of the ship chasing guys and what they've talked about for wide receivers so many years. And like, I certainly tend to think that, you know, even a late first round wide receiver is going to be a little more appealing to my draft strategy than a late running or than a running back would be in that range. That said, with Nick Chubb, I just think there are too many things aligning for him where you're losing Kareem Hunt. Obviously, people focus on the pass game work that's going to come his way because of that, but it is also an increase in rushing touches as well, especially if Jerome Ford is more of just a kickoff specialist guy rather than uh, somebody who's actually meaningfully involved in the offense. And then, two another full year of Deshaun Watson, who I do think will be better than he was last year, where uh, to beach Jacoby Brissett was clearly the better QB. This year, I think Cleveland a full offseason, a full uh, distance, more distance from Watson and whatever he's been uh, whatever he's been dealing with, that poor guy. Uh, but overall, I think it's just Cleveland, to me, is going the right way, Pete. And I think taking a top running back, who is also great in advanced analytics, like a lot of times these guys get volume and it just comes back down. And they're basically like an average back because that's sort of what happens when you give a guy 20 touches. Chubb's been great with everything. So I think like... You kind of put that all together and it seems to me like he should probably be going ahead of Bijan, even though I think Bijan's a great pick too
0: my the thing is is i'm still pretty low i think on nick chubb relative to the running backs going after him you know when i really do think of that and i'll be excited to see pat's legendary upside criteria for this year but i don't think nick chubb is going to make the cut um when you see just how little they've used him in the passing game and the fact that he is you know likely to come off the field in more situations and people often push back and one thing i think to mention and maybe we had did we have this conversation about nick chubb it's all deja vu but the thing about like people will be Like it's half point PPR, the receptions don't matter as much. It's not, The reception points. It's the fact that these guys come off the field and are not playing in all game flow situations because even coming off the field means you are ineligible to touch the ball, no matter how that would happen, a broken play, a check down, whatever, like being on the field all the time is super valuable. And that's, I think the knock against Chubb and why I prefer guys like Pollard and Stevenson and Brees Hall guys who I think can be on the field for every play. And so the way I ultimately think about Nick Chubb is like, Mike Evans last year, where it's like Mike Evans was going in the second round. I thought he was overpriced, but does he have the ability to drop 40 points in week 17 and win you the tournament? Obviously. And I think Nick Chubb has that as well. So you got to balance that of like, he could be the guy you need, but I also think he could underwhelm from a season long, like advancement rate kind of perspective.
1: I think that there's the downside risk, but also some upside there. I get Josh Allen at 33. So I'm feeling pretty good about that. And Pete gets his pick. So let's see what you do.
0: Yeah, I actually, for as much um, Keenan and Judy I have, I actually don't have a ton of these guys together because in my rooms, and I'm, I'm saying this as if Fake Sharp's not going to take Judy here, but um, I kind of been trying to get those pairings a little bit um, just because I'm never able to get them in a lot of my best ball breakfast drafts. Uh, I did take a second share of Calvin Ridley yesterday when he fell to me at the, at the turn, um, but, and there Judy goes, so that dream is dead, Um, I think what I will do here, man, I do not like this spot here. Am I going to keep taking Calvin Ridley?
1: I I have have 12% Ridley and only 5% Kirk, which surprised me. But I, I think I do like Ridley more. Um, fancy Zay Jones is what we're calling him in the streets.
0: Yeah. Um, So, I think what I'm going to do is build out my bet on Atlanta. Where I'm picking on this board right here, I'm probably not going to reach for Kyle Pitts at 59 or 62 with Kyle Pitts off and sliding to this side of the board. And I probably wouldn't onslaught the Falcons with Bijan, London, and Pitts. So, I'm going to grab Drake, London there uh, instead.
1: And I'm going to take Calvin Ridley eight spots after ADP, which I feel pretty good about. I don't. I don't view Calvin Ridley as a falling sword guy. Um, I like him okay at 32. I'd I'd rather not reach from kind of like the DK Metcalf thing. i talked about when I'm taking zero RB teams, but Ridley at 40, I think is an appropriate price. I don't mind that.
0: Yeah. I mean, my, My whole thing, too, from I'm very lightweight, Ridley, I've taken two shares through 90 drafts. And, you know, when I was doing my portfolio review, um, I wanted to get a little bit higher on Ridley, but mainly I wanted to balance it out by taking more Christian Kirk because I'm light on both of those guys. Um, You know, the conversation I had with the guys on my portfolio review show was it's not that I think, you know, Calvin Ridley to me is kind of like Barkley or Chubb in that they are the first players of what I think is a long tier. And I even prefer some of the players going after them. So it's not saying he doesn't belong in this tier, but I just don't think they're, again, I I keep always using the example from like after Debo Samuel goes, these wide receivers all the way to like Traylon Burks and George Pickens, they're all part of this same tier for me. And so I just don't like Calvin Ridley being at the top of that tier, but I think picking your spots. I took a share yesterday when he slid, To me, around uh, this spot as well. I think I did a DK Metcalf, Calvin Ridley start when those guys fell a lot. So I'm going to, I'll get up to probably three to 4% Calvin Ridley, but I'm going to remain underweight.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, there are some flaws in Ridley. If you look at the date, obviously kind of the Falcon stuff got painted over by the fact that he did get suspended for the gambling and also was going through his mental health issues as part of that process, but he wasn't good leading up to that either. And I think there could be some concern there that said, you know, I've kind of talked about the being on the downside of Trevor Lawrence and wanted to take him when he falls. I do think that he's still a guy that ran a functional offense that had big spike weeks for guys like Zay Jones for Evan Ingram, who just uh, signed his three-year contract extension too. Um, like Ridley can absolutely be that downfield threat who I think has spike weeks, even if he's not a world beater, like I think, uh, Watson could be game to game, or even a Drake London could be game to game. Um, so I'm a little more pro Ridley, I guess, but I, in this range, like I do kind of prefer McLaurin. I do think I prefer Watson, um, maybe head to head with with London for me with Ridley, but I think Ridley is okay. He's just one of the guys you're right. He's one of the guys in this range.
0: And my thing with Ridley is I am not discounting the upside. Because if we get the Calvin Ridley that we got before he left football, he's like a one, two turn pick. He's going where CD lamb and Garrett Wilson and these guys go like, that's definitely, if we get that, I just think there's way more downside risk. Like when you talk about small, um, small hit, big miss, that to me is Calvin Ridley where it's like, okay, he's going in the, in the late third. Do I think he could jump around and be like a, a, a early second pick or whatever? Sure. I, I could see that happening. But I also think he could just be worth like an 11th or 12th round pick and have kind of a midly season and be splitting, you know, target share with Ingram and Kirk and Zay Jones. Like I do think that's also within the range of outcomes. And so when I look at some of these guys where I'm like, sure, maybe Chris Godwin can't be a first round pick next year, like Calvin Ridley can. But I also don't really see Chris Godwin just completely bottoming out. Maybe people disagree because of the quarterback, yada, yada. But I'm mainly just trying to point out that, having Calvin Ridley not played football for as long as he has, there is legit downside risk.
1: Speaking of legit downside risk, I am taking the lowly ranked receiver, Deontay Johnson. Whoa,
0: you, what do you stand for anymore?
1: It's just the the ADP is a line. And I guess I'll take him at a slightly lower than ADP pick rather than reach for JSN though. I'm low on JSN and I don't like Deontay. And I think I'm at like 4% Deontay. So I don't know. I just, I try to play by the ADPs and yeah. sometimes that gives you a Deontay Johnson. You really don't well, want it's it just, ever.
0: It's just funny because Deontay's gotten much more expensive over yeah. the past couple weeks. And so now, now you're back in your bags when he got more expensive uh, than when he was cheaper.
1: Yeah. I mean, I had enough of him in the 80 70 range when that was happening. So that's where I got my initial take was just like him as part of this bet on Pittsburgh. And then as he started to come up and pass Pickens, I was like, okay, I don't necessarily agree with that. That said, like if he's got an ADP, you know, seven spots, eight spots ahead of JSN. I think I should probably take Deontay there. Even if I disagree with him as a player,
0: Mm -hmm. I think I might dance around. I was going to take Dobbins and maybe do like an interesting three running back build here. This is where I'm going to dance around the ADP a bit more. I'm going to take, I'm going to take Jordan Addison here. Um, I'll leave you Michael Pittman. Um, So this kind of goes back to where I've started to like be a little bit... Normally, I'm just selecting Tyler Lockett, which is how I end up with 17% Tyler Lockett, even though I'm just like, Tyler Lockett's fine. And this was one of the valuable exercises of reviewing my portfolio um, is being like, I'm not just going to always mindlessly click the same guy in those spots. Um, And because I think this is such a flat tier, I am going to mix up my exposure a little bit more.
1: I I guess I'm not going to mix up my exposure and take Michael Pittman. Aaron Jones... Aaron Jones is falling, but probably not enough to justify it. Add in Pete, my thousand dollar man, Michael Pittman, another share. I, I got to stop at a certain point. I have to stop,
0: but I I don't know when that's going to be. Well, you're in the same, I mean, you have way more Pittman than I do Lockett. but it's like the same thing. Like, I know you like Pittman, but do you, do you like Pittman as much as your bankroll is on him relative to guys like. Dotson, Burks, Gabe Davis, Pickens, Johnson, which I'm sure you have different takes on those guys individually, but as a cohort, do you like him that much more than them?
1: I like, so I would have taken Lockett if he fell there. That was where I was thinking, okay, I got Deontay Johnson. Don't normally take him. I do have a lot of Seattle Pittsburgh, but it's not usually through Deontay Johnson and Tyler Lockett. So that would have made this decision easier for me. I do think Pittman is the best player in this immediate range in terms of the upside, in terms of the ceiling, um, the ability to earn targets, all that. And as well as just having a bad situation that he still played pretty well in the last few years. Um, so I like Pittman, but I, yeah, like I don't want to have 33% anybody I think besides AR. So that's sort yeah. of where I am with it. It's like, I'd like to get him to 25 over the next you know two months.
0: Where, where are you at on Evans? Because he would have been the other guy. I think that would have been uh, a logical choice uh, over Pittman.
1: I am low on Evans just because I think it is not the likeliest thing. The Bucks are playing full go by week 17. Um, I'm actually at I'm at 2% Evans, a little bit above. Wow.
0: 2%. So that is that a, is that an intentional fade or just yes. how it's, it's shaking out? Okay. It,
1: it is an intentional fade, but one that I'll start to walk back. And that's normally been my process, especially last summer where I was really going heavy on every possible tournament was that, okay, I'll get my guys early on then start to ramp them back down. Cause I find it easier to ramp guys back down and really start to go out of your way to get them. Um, so like I'm gonna start taking Evans probably in value rooms. Um, same thing with like the Arizona receivers, who I don't like very much, but they're cheap enough to get there. Um, I just think that the Cardinals and the Bucks, me, are the two teams that I think I don't see how they're still going full go by week 17. Just how the Super Bowl odds are, how they're, like they're structured. I I think it's gonna be bad for Evans and Godwin by the time they, you know we need them to play.
0: I, I like Evans but one thing I will concede is that I think you'll be able to get your Evans shares at these prices whenever you want. Um right. I don't think he's a guy that's going to, you know, move up around because of training camp buzz. I mean we're just not going to get the thing that, you know, Mike Evans and Kyle Trask have this incredible connection and the market's going to be like, "All right, I need to start taking him around earlier." So whereas I do think guys like like Quentin Johnston um is going to move up, you're going to mm-hmm. see some of these other guys once um I do think regardless whether depending on how training camp shakes out for the Ravens, you're going to see one of Rashad Bateman or Zay flowers move up too, because they're both kind of hovering with, with slight uncertainty. I can see the market. My thesis has been Rashad Bateman is going to have a slow start to camp coming back from the foot and the market's going to start jamming Zay flowers uh, as Rashad Bateman comes off the board here at pick 79. So um these guys I think are all going to be risers here. Um, And getting ahead of that, I think makes some sense.
1: Yeah, I'm just taking Dallas Goddard here, who I think is, uh, you know, really a tear break at tight end. I don't think he should be going after Waller personally, but, um, I like my build so far getting Goddard there.
0: Um, I ran to the podium with Quinton Johnston there. I was surprised he made it through that gauntlet. Um, not normally a thing that happens in my drafts where he slides past ADP. Uh, I obviously don't have Justin Herbert, but I still like Having this, um, this charger stack, uh, without him, and now yeah, I agree. Uh, you know, nothing I want to do at quarterback right here, nothing I want to do at tight end. I really don't feel like these running backs complement like my Bijan and Kenneth Walker start, so I am just going to take Zay Flowers here. Um, we have a very heavy rookie theme to these last three picks Jordan Addison, Quentin Johnston, Zay Flowers.
1: But all guys that I think fit your thesis of you know guys that can be on the way up. Uh, so I certainly wouldn't mind that for you. Um, got Rashad White falling here. I would do feel like we're getting pretty close to a receiver tier break. It's going to be more pronounced as we go on here. Um, yeah, man. I wish I had not taken Goddard now. I am going to take Rashad White here. Um, I do think Rashad White, for what I talked about with uh, Tampa Bay, I think there's no way that Rashad White's not involved down the home stretch. Just a guy that I imagine will uh, be a part of their plans for this year, and then we'll see what they do in the future at the position. But um, White, to me, I think is safe from the Week 17 stuff I'm worried about with Evans and Godwin. Uh, But Pete does feel like a little bit of a run on receiver here. So I think you did well getting ahead of the curve a little bit.
0: Yeah. I mean, I always, you know, I judge a a room how wide receiver heavy it is based on the quality of wide receiver around pick 83 or 84. Um, So getting Quentin Johnston who normally is not coming back to 83 or 84 felt good to me. Same with like Elijah Moore and Zay Flowers being here. So I think this is what I would call a more normal room, but the run does inevitably always happen. Um, I think for you, Rashad White made sense as a, as a second running back there as you were prioritizing, other positions we do see some weird stuff happening here you know anthony richardson who's been sliding in drafts he goes at 89 here um Mm. the drafter with jonathan taylor i personally love the jonathan taylor richardson pairing i think it's like my preferred way to play richardson is actually with taylor um but richardson is falling to 104 almost all the time in these drafts so i don't know i don't like taking him at 89 i would prefer to wait and see if he comes back to 104
1: Yeah, I think he's going to come. I mean, look, this is in my thesis this entire time period is that he was going to be down until training camp. Then we're going to find out. Um, you know, basically, if he's going to be a starter, I think he's still probably spilling the uh, QB1 snaps. With Gardner Minshew is going to be the way this kicks off. But then once we get to preseason, that's where you could see him potentially get steamed up if he does have an outlier preseason game. And and Pete, rookies are reporting today. So this is actually the time where we're going to start to get news in that could affect these guys' positions a little bit. And I I still think there's an AR steam left. But I I agree that you should be taking him in the 100 range now. Like, I wouldn't reach for him now, personally.
0: Yeah, I think you got to be... You got to be patient with him. Um, I did want to pull this up from Sam. So Sam says, curious what you guys think uh, the percentage of 600,000 plus entries will be from uh, quote unquote casual drafters. The rooms have already started to get much easier in my opinion as we get closer to the season. So yeah, that I agree with, that's going to be a thing. We're going to get more drafters coming in. Um, and I think in general, You know, I shared, um, this graphic the other day on Twitter, um, where it's a, at ZWK football. And he said, week 17 game stacks are still pretty rare on underdog. And he looked at pairings and they're all around 10% for week 17 stacks. And it's like in our bubble, it seems like 40% of the field, 50% of the field is week 17 stacking. It's still roughly 10%. And so I think if you use that as a proxy. Like I do think maybe like 10% of the field is pulling all of these possible micro edge levers. Week 17 correlation, good roster construction, ADP value, avoiding dead roster spots, all these levers we like to pull. I would just ballpark it around 10% based on these kind of week 17 things. And maybe that number comes down because this is, you know, through however many drafts, maybe this comes down and it's seven, 8% of drafts are heavily utilizing these correlations. So uh, I do think that, there is still a big edge relative to what the majority of the field is doing.
1: Yeah, I agree. That's the thing that I think definitely has stood out with that. Chad Mashkey's data is another one out there. He's been collecting all the BBM entries and I think has like 2% of the field so far. And it just seems like stacks are represented, And that's why too, when I see the people on Twitter who are like, oh, we're at the point now where like, you might not even want to stack. You just want to take the best players. And it's like, that's not the way to do this. I think cutting down your parlay is always the goal for any sort of DFS format, any fantasy format kind of thing. And that's something where if you're doing that every single time out, you're just in a better spot across your portfolio. So I don't know. I just just hate that take. And it does pop up way too often these days.
0: Yeah. Um, I'm looking here at this board, seeing what I want to do. Uh, Fake sharp keeps sniping me today. I wanted to take Penny. Um, I will take, man, do I like Brian Robinson for this build? I don't love it, but I don't hate it. Um, We'll grab Brian Robinson here. There was nothing, I guess I could have, this could have been a spot to take Daniel Jones and build out like a backdoor stack thing. Um, I could have taken Kirk Cousins ahead of ADP to pair with Addison, but I don't know. Maybe I should have because I took Addison ahead of ADP and I've already kind of made like a reach there. Um, But I don't know. I just didn't like the quarterbacks in that range.
1: And I'm taking Alan Lazard here to get a little bit of correlation with uh, Nick Chubb going. Um, normally not taking Lazard, but I do want a fifth receiver at this point through 10 rounds. So Lazard is the guy who gets the call up, even though I have no I have no interest at all in Alan Lazard in general. This might be one of my first shares of Alan Lazard.
0: I have very little Lazard too. I think I took him once or twice when he slipped well past ADP. Um, but he's... He's fine. He's a guy. I mean, where where were you at? Yeah, you were you were catching up at wide receiver because you took you took a couple running backs. You took Goddard, um, so you were at four through yeah. And that like when you are only four wide receivers through ten, like it does feel like the spots where you either bite the bullet on kind of a boring veteran like a Juju, like a Lizard, like a Jacoby Myers, or you basically say like I'm gonna reach for one of the sexier guys like mingo or rashi rice or whoever you know like and in this draft i mean sky Moore went 98 nico collins went 101 so some of the more fun options if you're catching up at wide receiver are already gone and i think this is going to be this is a canary in the coal mine right nico going here sky Moore going Mm -hmm. like these guys drafters need wide receivers in round nine if they've made detours and no one wants to select these guys that all just came off the board in the 10th, Lazard, Tyler Boyd, Juju, Odell, Jacoby. And so we're going to see the sexier names pop up here into the top 100 picks. And Nico is a guy I kind of want to get a few more shares of before this really solidifies, because I do think he's going to be a top 100 pick down the stretch.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, do you think he goes in like Sutton range? Because that feels like where the market's starting to push him. I think there's better options late, but... I get the logic on why he is a big bodied outside receiver, and there's not a lot of them in that room.
0: I think the market in general is always going to love who's a cheap wide receiver. One, where's this cheap volume I can get? And I think people will, you know, sell. Them. And I like Nico Collins, but I agree with you. I mean, it starts to get pretty pricey in this range. I think you are, you know, similar to how I'm like heavy on Pickett and the Steelers offense, like a bet on Nico Collins is like a pretty big bet on Stroud to be better than advertised. I think in year one. And, uh, you know, they also have as much as Nico Collins is the best option they have. Like they draft tank Dell, they bring in Robert Woods who could still lead that team in targets. You know, Dalton Schultz could also, you know, lead that team in targets. And so I do think it's a more fragile projection. Obviously if Nico hits and earns the highest target share in that offense, you're going to be very happy with him, but I don't know if that's a lock that he's going to earn that target share.
1: Yeah, I'm with, I drafted the Texans on my spag stacks on Friday where I'm spinning a randomizer wheel and do that. Of course, doing that every week here to make sure that I get all the teams in on their home stretch. I think Dalton Schultz is the safest Texans pass catcher. So I thought it was interesting that you've kind of flagged that because uh, to me, just Schultz is like, uh, you know, he's not great. Wasn't great on Dallas, but somebody has got to catch passes in Houston. Um, Yeah. Do you have Aaron Rodgers here potentially to take, but I feel like I can punt that. Like I am gonna reach a little for Dalton Kincaid here just to make sure I get him. I think he might fall in this room anyway, but um I think Rodgers is gonna fall too, so I don't really care.
0: Uh he's not spags, oh, I need you a quarterback and it. I have I have Garrett Wilson. So that was Oh, you do
1: happen. have Garrett Wilson. Well, you know, good. I'm yeah. glad, <laughs> glad I didn't snipe you. That was really the main thing was tonight. <laughs>
0: yeah. The most holy of days. Yeah, um, I was I was waiting to see you talk that out. You're like, oh, Garrett Wilson or uh, Aaron Rodgers will come back. I'm like, no, he won't. I mean,
1: do and, I and, want the Aaron Rodgers-Allen Lazard correlation and have to
0: fight for Tyler Conklin in this room? I don't I don't think I need that stress. No, you don't. Um, let's see here. The question is, what do I want to do here? I think what I'll do, um, I love Greg Dolchich, I've been drafting a ton of him. Um, uh Russell Wilson will not make it back to me, but because I have this kind of mini stack here. With this uh Chargers, you know, having Keenan and Quentin Johnston and fulfilling kind of uh, a positional need here as I have zero tight ends. I like getting Greg Dolchich uh in this build. Yeah, I Greg Dulcich definitely uh been a, some nice offseason
1: reports for him. This this joker role that's so much hype than Sean Payton offense. We'll see if he actually gets anything useful there. Um, I get Jalen Warren on the way back, who is one of my big stands here and will continue to be. And uh, I might be live for a certain Pittsburgh quarterback that people love
0: taking on stacks. So I'll get sniped on Kenny Pickett later. <laughs> uh, yeah. You get, you have to, you have to have pretty heavy uh, Jalen Warren bags. Uh, I feel like every time we draft uh, you, uh, you have Jalen Warren on your team. I am at 28.5%
1: in Jalen Warren. And I don't know that, that that'll stop. Um, I do you know, again. have wanted to set myself a hard cap of 25% for everybody, but I think Warren still should come up a little bit throughout the training camp process just from people realizing that, oh, yeah, like he is live to take 10 to 15 touches away if things go a certain direction. Um, So I like
0: Warren a lot still, Pete. I I know you're in the same boat as me. I I do like Warren. I'll be really curious to see which direction like the training camp chatter is, you know, as far as. Is it like, holy cow, Jalen Warren looks good, and him and Najee are like co-1A, 1B? Or is it, you know, Najee was injured, this offensive line looks good, Najee's doing everything? Because I do think one of the things I'm excited about with training camp is the shuffling of ADPs and a lot of these situations that are relatively fragile. um, Because a lot of it is based on sentiment right now. You know, and I think sentiment can really push things, right? Like if Zach Charbonnet is the talk of Seahawks camp, you'll see Walker come down another round and Charbonnet push up a couple rounds. Same thing with this Najee type stuff. Like if all the reports are glowing on Najee, I wouldn't be surprised to see him become a staple of the third round being like, you guys are all messing around with Jalen Warren. What are you doing? Of course, Najee's the guy. And then maybe Jalen Warren gets a little more cheap. So I do think we're going to see legit movement based on the drum beats we get out of these camps.
1: Yeah, I think that's a fair way to look at it too, where, you know, uh, certainly the public, I think, I think the public's been dying for a reason to talk themselves into Najee Harris just because he's had the volume and he has probably had one good year, they remember, where it was, well, again, largely volume-based. Um, I think, though, those are the plays to me that, you know, certainly the casuals start to talk themselves into more. Um, but Jalen Warren is just so analytically sound and so good. And, you know, again, that's that was his first year in the NFL doing what he did. Um. So, like, for me, I think that Warren's just one of the guys, Pete, that I think will always appeal to guys like us more, and then Najee will probably appeal to your average July-August drafter a little bit more.
0: Um, speaking of average drafters, so why Raz here going out and getting his guys? So, to be fair, does get the Brock Purdy double stack with Kittle and Debo, uh, which I certainly like. But taking Brock Purdy at 137 uh, is aggressive. And here I said I didn't think Russell Wilson was going to ever have a chance of making it back to me. I will go ahead and take Russell Wilson to stack up with Dolchich and get that bring back on my, uh, my Chargers bet.
1: Your, your 2016 Pro Bowl QB roster with, with Aaron Rodgers, the real AR, and Russell Wilson.
0: That's right. I do like it. It does seem like in all of these drafts too, you were always drafting Anthony Richardson, and I'm always drafting the real AR
1: really is going to be, you have to be at least at market on Aaron Rodgers, right? I mean, I guess he couldn't, he might be six uh, eight. What
0: am I? Eight. Yeah. So I'll yeah. be, I'm just like right at even, and you know what? I haven't got to draft my boy Marvin Mims in a while, but man at ADP, get my double stack uh, with Russ. This seems like the time to get back on the Marvin Mims train.
1: Yeah. Hard to argue. Marvin Mims of, uh, I guess maybe not quite as frothy though. Another guy that really could get frothed up by if he's running with the first team, like that, all that Tim Patrick stuff lately probably goes by the wayside.
0: Um, yeah, it's the, the thing is, yeah, the, the Tim Patrick hype is, is real. I mean, what's, what's the quote? Is it multiple people saying he's the best wide receiver they have mm. on the team, <laughs> which is like, which is so funny, uh, considering they, they, you know, this staff, you know, comes in and trades up to select Marvin Mims. Um, We can argue whether Judy's overpriced or not, but he's probably the most talented wide receiver on the team, just as far as pedigree. And then we've seen some incredible stretches for Cortland Sutton, where he just looked like a true alpha. And so the fact that Tim Patrick is like the buzz of being uh, the best wide receiver on the team is pretty funny. That said, um, I do think there's a wide range of outcomes with stuff here. Um and as much as I like Marvin Mims, I don't think it's bad to be, you know, taking flyers on Patrick. I have a decent amount of Patrick. Jen, when I did my draft with her the other day, she had me take Tim Patrick over Mims. I'm at 9.3%, which is kind of a lot for a late round guy. So my my main overarching thing here is I'm just in on the Broncos bounce back. You know, I'm I'm I, in Sean Payton, I trust, um, and I'd prefer to play it through the cheaper options um mims Dolchich, uh rust to an extent so i don't know i'm gonna live and die by the broncos this year a bit
1: i'm in on javante just because i think that he would be if there were sort of a health certainty or confidence yeah. like to me he's probably maybe not quite breeze range but around behind that um so that's really the biggest broncos bet i'm making but i you know i talk a lot about coaching and the importance of that and i, I have to sort of say then that I do have kind of a a Broncos blind spot because how bad they burned me last year. The move from Hackett to Sean Payton has has to be worth something. Like it's gotta be worth, you know, maybe a hundred points over the course of a year. And I think it's one of the things where if you got burned by him last year, you probably should go back to the tail heavier just because that's such a big leap overall.
0: I think it's a huge swing because I don't think I, I think Nathaniel Hackett was taking wins away, like not even mm-hmm. just like neutral. And where I think Sean Payton, and you can actually, someone uh, had this stat like looking, um, and I don't even know their methodology for determining it, but that Sean Payton was worth like a, a win and a half extra each year as a coach. So if you have the swing, let's even just say Nathaniel Hackett, you dock off a, a, or you add a, a one and a half losses and Sean Payton, you add on one and a half win. That's a three game swing they're going from a bad coach to a good coach. And that, I think that's a meaningful thing there. And I do think you, I want to be more careful with the Judy price. I was targeting it here. It got sniped, but when there is risk, I do want to really be playing it through the cheaper options. And there's tons of cheaper options with the Broncos where a lot of that risk is baked out.
1: Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. And I think certainly the Broncos, a team that lots of ways that can go. And certainly the youth, the draft capital invested in a guy like Mims, uh, feels like one of those things that could get there a little bit early on and shout out to the chat, by the way, uh, by the way, if not giving the big plug here, but of course, Pete on his March to 15,000 subs on his channel, splash plate, similar amount away from 3000 subs. So subscribe to both here, uh, help the help the boys out as we try to move things in the right direction. Um, I'm going to take Gainwell here, Gainwell has quietly risen to a 166 ADP. And I'm happy to buy that wherever he is because he's been undervalued for too long, Pete.
0: Uh, Yeah, I, I don't mind Gainwell there at all. Um, I think what I'm going to do, I, I just keep smashing Jeff Wilson. Um, And I, I'm basically trying to pump the brakes if I don't have like a logical reason to select him. But I think getting a fifth running back here and also because I have the Zay Flowers and I do like that, a little week 17 correlation there. Um, So as the days pass and I continue to get more and more confidence that Dalvin Cook isn't going to Miami, uh, man, I, I just continue to love Jeff Wilson. Like, do you think, say Dalvin Cook signed with the Jets today? Do you think these Miami ADPs would inch up? Like, I guess I'm wondering how much of the Dalvin Cook specter is impacting these ADPs or does the market just not like these guys as much as I do?
1: I think they like Jeff Wilson less than you do. Um, And I, and I like him similarly too. Um, I think the guy who would jump the most to be a chain would like, he would probably go up to the hundred range. I would think Mm -hmm. just because people want to get the young guy and then it'll be like, Oh, he's safe now. But I, they all should go up like 10 spots. I would think in terms of how, you know, I think we're all approaching it.
0: Yeah. Um, I do not, I don't like a lot here. Maybe what I'll do. I'm going to just build out my Minnesota bet a little bit. I've been wanting to get a lit a little bit more Ty Chandler. I'm um, probably going to be done at uh running back here. So now I'll have the kind of Ty Chandler, uh, Jordan Addison and AJ Dylan game block there. But I didn't, I didn't feel super strongly about any of the picks there.
1: And I'm taking Khalil Shakir just because I do have Josh Allen and no reason not to at this point with nobody from new england coming up anytime soon for that correlation uh speaking of how much correlation week 17 too much correlation i think leone's found that nine game stacked players is where uh, you're probably maxed out on returns but Pete, you don't have like a hard and fast rule right for what you're doing in terms of week 17 correlation
0: no because to me i think that this question and not to reframe it for for mr p here is like how much is Onslaughting one team is too much because I think it's impossible to have too many mini stacks or game stacks, right? Like if all of your pieces were in various games, like say you had it, this would be hard for it to work out this way, but let's just say you had six game stacks across your 18, which means you had three players from six different games. And some of those was a quarterback and a double stack. One of those was a quarterback a stack and a bring back. And then another one's worse like the green Bay Minnesota one I just did, which was two running backs and a wide receiver. If you had six games that you're exposed to, that's good. That's great. I think more correlation is always better. The question is if you have six guys from the Panthers, is that too much? Yeah, it's probably too much. And you want to then start to be price conscious and also realistic about the upside outcomes for that team.
1: Yeah, I think that's a fair way to look at it. And that's how, you know, certainly you're making the bet on the team really more than anything. So like, if you have five Cincinnati guys, that probably gets you a little bit further than five, you know, if we're going with the teams that I hate five Tampa Bay guys might this year. Um, so that's the kind of thing that I, I think I view it the same way as you do, but I'm um, definitely some data out there that, you know, overstacking too much in one game in particular can be a little bit dangerous. And it's today, the day that Pat drafted the winner last year. Yes. Today is the day that Pat drafted the winner and then also King capital, right? Pete?
0: It is. Yeah, both of them. And then who was it? Someone was in my chat the other day saying, oh, it was Linus Scrimmage. I don't know if Linus Scrimmage is in here. He had the third place team. He, uh, Sac Religious, who's in the Deposit Kingdom Discord, does a lot of good uh, data uh, research for best ball. Pulled the the receipts for him and he drafted his third place team on July 18th. So like truly a a bizarre string of coincidences. And uh, as Spags referenced before, uh, Pat has a marathon stream that you can catch up on later after you get in all of your live splash play. And I will be over there today at 2 PM uh, drafting with him. There he is. There's Charlie. Yeah. And I am baffled that Pierre strong has been drafted.
1: (laughs) So that's
0: (laughs) what was he at? Oh, you were looking for your new England yeah for
1: somebody to do as a bring back there um i already have yeah Devonte parker's already been drafted as well um i do have seven receivers so i would like to get a sixth running back god i have so much chase brown all right another share chase brown come on down i still think he's a valuable pick i think pete the joe mixon restructuring obviously good for mixon being there but also stabilizes a guy that's been not that great in terms of the advanced analytics so i'm still in on chase brown i don't know if you are
0: Um, I, I like them both. I like them both. I'm trying to wait till I get a little permission from the market. I've been getting more Travion just because Travion's completely free. But I do really think like in my heart of hearts, it's like 50-50, which one of those guys is going to be the two there. I'm going to take Dawson Knox just as a huge slider here to 203. Also, they do play the Chargers in week 16. So get a little week 16 game stack there. Now what I'm kind of struggling with spags. I'm curious your thought here. So I'm at a 2672. I think structurally, my team probably needs a third tight end with Dolchich and Knox, or I could get the double stack with Rodgers via Michael Hardman and get to eight wide receivers. Whereas I don't necessarily think this team needs an eighth wide receiver.
1: It does feel like you could use a third tight end, but yeah, I, that's the way I would go. But if you feel good enough about him, I, I don't mind taking a receiver.
0: Yeah, I'm just trying to see if there's any kind of correlation things I think I'm just gonna take um a tight end that I think has upside and I, a guy I know you like as well uh Michael Mayer wanting to get some more of him he feels like a guy who could rise a little bit with positive training camp stuff maybe a little of the uncertainty with the Vegas situation this was like a a tough pick for me in that normally I am prioritizing some kind of correlation I guess what you could have said I probably should have done Hunter Henry. Because then he correlated with Knox and had the week 17 with Denver. So I could have kind of like round robin that correlation. I think if I could take that back, I would maybe do Henry. Um, I was kind of weighing like the correlation versus like a player who I just think is completely underpriced and Michael Mayer and ended up uh, making the player select. Musgrave,
1: uh, too, would have made sense with your Addison. That's One true. Them, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, that's a, that that is the was fun through. thing
0: with tight, tight ends. There's so many so many different things. I kind of prefer Musgrave with Jordan Love, I guess. Um, whereas with Mayer, there's not a quarterback that I ever am really selecting him with anyways. But yeah, that would have been a fine option.
1: I, I do take my Jimmy G's and Jimmy G I think will start to get drafted somewhat more reliably if he's just playing in training camp. Cause we are now at a, the point of his health recovery period that he should be getting back out there. Um, I don't think people love Jimmy G enough to expect him to rise a bunch, but I do feel like Jimmy G, Pete, like Adams gets drafted. Jacobs gets drafted. I feel like Jimmy G should probably get drafted.
0: I just want to talk about this draft from Y-Raz one of the most like it's one of those drafts where it's it's not someone just like randomly clicking buttons because they like understood stacking. They even have this big week 17 stack with Terry McLaurin coming back. Um, but then the huge reach for Anthony Richardson, the huge reach for not, I guess huge on Anthony Richardson, whatever, but a huge reach on Brock Purdy, then takes Devontae Parker 176, Fournette 185, and then Trey Lance to handcuff the The Brock Purdy pick, like if you're reaching, and I don't know, I'm sorry why I'm picking on Y Raz here, but it just if you're if you're reaching that much for Brock, like you got to be right that Brock's the guy, right? Right. Unless you're playing for a Trey Lance trade, which just seems thin. I don't know, just seems like some bizarre picks.
1: No, that's one of the things that I've observed a little bit, and we we've had some really good people sending in drafts who join the Splash Play channel as a member, and I'll review ten teams a month for you if you join over there. But like basically, I've been seeing some of the unifying themes there. And one that I do see a little bit more that you know I think is the one flaw amongst at least that self-selecting group of people that are sending me teams is that they are reaching a little bit too much for guys and like it's you reach here you reach there and it's like you kind of diminish the overall portfolio and if you're reaching for Purdy at 137 you're saying hey this guy is a lock to play and go so why would you burn the 18th round on Trey Lance and I think that's one of those those logical gaps that even really good drafters sometimes miss.
0: Yeah, I. And, you know, early, trust me, and I, I used to be a Lance guy, and I said on Best Ball Breakfast, the uh, the dream is dead. I do really think he's just a very bad pick right now. I think you need I to agree. get bailed out, especially when, like, we can go look in a sec. I was going to name this team. Um, but, like, did Desmond Ritter get taken there? Did Was Ryan Tannehill drafted? Like, those guys are such better. Sam Howell is a better pick. Some of these guys that actually have a path to starting, um, and then you compound that with a handcuff there, I just don't think that is the best way you do it
1: yeah so feeling moosey asking like not the worst pick 18 to corner the market yeah if you're taking purdy at like where he normally goes in the 170 range but if you're taking him so early that's like you're saying your confidence then is that he'll be going and he's not only going but he's a better pick than everybody else is saying right now so it's a different bet than it would be like if you're taking purdy in the 16th and then lance in the 18th.
0: i agree i still think it's a bad bet doing that but i completely yeah, I agree. agree like once you take like i think you could argue if you knew you were getting 17 games of Brock Purdy at quarterback, this is like a fair price, like around Russ around Matthew Stafford. So you are drafting him at like the tippity top of his upside with like certainty on his role. Like you have to then draft the rest of your team. Like that's what you're, what you're getting. And I think you could argue that this team needed some help at um, other positions here to kind of offset that. Like I think his running back room ended up being a little bit weak, there. And I think he could have used another dart, but again, I, I apologize for, uh, picking on, on this drafter, but it just goes back to that thing. We talk about a lot about drafting like you're right. And if you're going to reach for guys, you really have to draft like you're right.
1: Yep. No, I agree with you. So Pete, give the plugs here because of course, uh, you're going to be joining path stream a little bit. I don't know what other shows you have coming up, but there's always great things going on here on the Pete overs network is what we're calling it.
0: Uh well let's well let's not get ahead of ourselves but the oh. the audio listeners need a oh, full recap yes. of the team. So here I'll I'll do mine first and we'll go to Spags. So I have uh Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson at quarterback. Uh Spags Merciful f- Mercifully let Rodgers slide back to me. I did get a big value on Russell Wilson. Uh have six running backs, Bijan Kenneth Walker, AJ Dillon, Brian Robinson, Jeff Wilson, Ty Chandler, solid running back room. Wide receivers, Garrett Wilson, Keenan Allen, Drake London, Jordan Addison, Quentin Johnson, Zay Flowers, Marvin Mims, Holy rookie wide receivers, tight ends, Greg Dolchich, Dawson Knox, Michael Mayer. Like I said, I, I, I kind of wish I would have gone Henry there instead of Mayer. Um, otherwise, I do like how this team came out. I think you could also maybe made the case that I go just five running backs here and maybe tack on like Ritter to get an extra third stack there. Um, but for the most part, uh, I like this team. Spags, what did you do?
1: qb i got a falling josh allen along with kenny pickett who i reached to make sure i closed off that stack running back nick chubb rashad white zach charbonnet jalen warren kenneth gainwell and chase brown i think pretty good running back capital maybe could have gone five but it did go six receiver Diggs, ridley deontay johnson my favorite michael Pittman, alan lazard dj chark khalil shakir and terrence marshall there for the jacksonville correlation and a tight end dallas goddard and dalton kincaid this is an interesting team for me, Pete, because I think I made some choices, went a little bit heavier at receiver, and then um, did you know, get some early running back capital in, too. This is not my usual team, but it's close to it.
0: Yeah, um, I'm looking at it, too. I didn't have—you did get—yeah, you got your pit and your Seattle bring back with Charbonnet, which is nice. What did it—you just got boxed out on your New England bring back?
1: Yeah, I got boxed out of New England, got boxed out of the AR portion of things with Pittman, and then didn't go chasing that because, I again, I just have enough uh, Indianapolis-Vegas for Week 17. But I got players I like, like Goddard and Kincaid, I think, is a, a potent two-tight end duo for how I view things.
0: Yeah, and my whole thing with Kincaid is I, I think he's overpriced. I don't really ever select him, but if I do select him, it would be with Josh Allen. Um, I think mm. that is really the time where that makes sense. But even then, like... I obviously I'm partial because I've been taking a decent amount of Knox, and I think I think you could take both of those guys together, honestly, on the same team. But Dawson Knox going at pick two hundred three spags, even you have to admit that's kind of ridiculous.
1: I was thinking about it because he had fallen so much that I was like, does it make sense to take both Buffalo tight ends, especially if I didn't take uh, another receiver besides Diggs? And I think I could have gone that way, but I'm glad you know I helped you get Ar, helped you get Knox, all the players that are going to really decide the season for both of us.
0: Yeah, my only other, I didn't have, so I have my big Russell Wilson-Denver double stack with two bringbacks. The Rodgers just ended up being a skinny stack. Um, I was kind of hoping that uh, Conklin was going to make it all the way back because Conklin has been falling yesterday. What did I get Conklin at? Yeah. Um, pick 205 so i was like oh maybe that'll happen again and i'll complete that double stack that would have been nice and i have no cleveland bring back there but i'm just playing it as a skinny with aaron Rodgers and garrett wilson which seems fine because i built out so many of those other uh game stacks without the quarterback
1: yeah and the wilson bet is the big one anyway so like if he gets there he's probably taking an hour with him
0: anyway yeah. Um, the other player that I'm normally getting on a build like this, I have two Atlanta guys. Normally I'm taking like one bears running back, you know, in a draft. Um, but Deontay Foreman didn't fall to me there. So didn't get to complete that many, but otherwise two, uh two fun team spags. And yeah, this is, Uh, draft number 90 for me, as always, this stream is eligible for the comment giveaway who was in the chat earlier. Someone was telling me that they are going to help me out with scraping all of these comments, which is greatly appreciated here. Um, so I will be, uh, doing that drawing when I hit 15 K subs, we continue to add a decent amount. We're getting close to only being 600 away. Maybe by the end of the day, we'll uh, we'll be there. So after the show is over, you can leave a comment, and that'll get you entered into the giveaway for $1,500, three winners, $500 each. And then Spags and I are going to head over to Splash Play right now to draft another team, and that video will also be eligible for the giveaway. So anywhere I am drafting one of my Best Ball Mania bullets is eligible.
1: Yeah. I am champing at the bit to draft a zero RB team. And uh, hopefully we can do that on that stream. But yes, this is a very generous giveaway by Pete to so make sure you're getting in here. Of course, because you're going to hit those subs faster than people realize Pete. And if they don't get those comments in, then, then they're bone. They don't get their entries in.
0: Yeah. Because let me tell you the second I hit 15 K I'm going to get in touch with my, my, my data scrapers and say, let's scrape it. Contest close contest. So off. if you're if you're wanting to, uh, to get in there, uh, go ahead. I do have the playlist on my channel. All 150, uh, stream drafts will be contained within that playlist. So I've made it easy for you.
1: All right. So there you go. So make sure to follow Pete at Peter over to track the rest of his journey, of course. And, and Pete, you're going up on patch stream. You said at 2 PM.
0: Yeah. 2 PM, uh, over there, I'll be drafting with, uh, Leone and Gratch alongside Pat.
1: There we go. So all the great minds there on patch stream, but go hang out this one more draft coming up on the splash play channel. As we march to 3000 subs on there, we appreciate each and every one of you hanging out. That's we'll
0: see you guys over on that channel in a moment. Bye. Peace. Spags. We are back for part two of our best ball mania for double headers that we do every single Tuesday. We just drafted a team over on my channel and here we are to battle it again in the underdog streets
1: you can see the screen here coming up best ball mania four coming up of course uh giving all the the good entries here today on these streams of pete but of course it is a day pete where there have been some millionaire teams drafted in the past and now we can add our teams hopefully to that that really historic grouping There, king capital pat green
0: and me and you and you in the three hole today god bless america <laughs> Uh, and you at the four, though, so we will be battling again. Mm-hmm. I do see some familiar names in here. Uh, Brendan, B. Spurf, of course, uh, Sam Duhl, Uh, Also, the icon was just in our draft with us previously. I don't know if they are watching or just ripping off back-to-back. Best Ball Mania drafts, but uh, excited to battle it out and excited to be on the other side of the draft board for the first time in a long time. Yeah, people
1: were asking in the last stream, and I don't want to interrupt because I think you are making a point at the time. But um, your your early picks here at when's the most frequent? I guess when's the most recent early pick you've gotten? Because people are observing now that you're going a lot in that that ten to twelve hole, which is going to happen when you're streaming every draft.
0: Uh, the one I did have. So the sh- draft was Sean last Wednesday. Uh, we got the one hundred and one. Uh, so we did get Justin Jefferson. Uh, but before that, um, I, I'll I should update my sheet and see. But it was a I'm probably like. 80 to 90 percent like after one eight the past 20 drafts uh so let's see i would uh it would be very fun if donkey Picks wanted to go like rogue and give me jamar chase at 3 it i'd just be kind of a nice gift for me
1: I, yeah i think that'd be a generous thing here by a non-badge maybe you'll take christian mccaffrey that's that's mm. a thing that happens now this this time of draft season nope nope never mind
0: no and because i Often able to get uh, McCaffrey at one five and one six in my rooms with cup and Tyree kill going off the board. I am going to just go ahead and take cup here uh, and lock in that share. I was pretty heavy on cup for a while. And then because I had so few early slots, my exposure has come down. I'm down to like 10%. So I don't mind boosting up my cup exposure.
1: Yeah. I think I'm under on cup right now. Cause I'm not getting a lot of one Oh threes and one Oh fours where he's there. I'm actually going to check my exposures, but I think I think I'm low on Cup, six point seven percent Cup, and fourteen percent Tyreek across everything. So I got to get some more Cup in down the home stretch. And now is the time, Pete, where we have to actually start thinking about that a little bit more.
0: Is that um, just because of your randomization of draft slots, or have you been taking Hill over Cup?
1: I think there was a period where I was going Hill a little bit over Cup, but not enough. I think for that to explain the rationale of why. I'm so much yeah. higher because uh, I like cup too, uh, yeah. but I think I'm getting one or busts for the most part. And then I get, you know, whoever's a fall or sometimes in the five or six.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. I think, I wonder, yeah, I wonder if we'll see any movement on that. It seems like nothing's going to happen with the Tyreek Hill stuff. Yeah. So if people preferred Tyreek Hill to cup before I didn't, I've been taking cup against Tyreek Hill, but it's now interesting that it's snapped back because of that news story.
1: I mean, Tyreek saying he wants to go for 2000 yards and that's one of his goals. Obviously the record by Calvin Johnson, I think is 1964. Um, So that's one where he's now talking publicly about it. And I I just feel like Miami, you know, Pete, I don't know if you feel differently, but I think they were kind of trendy to start the draft season. And now people just kind of settled in and not as enthusiastic, but that offense last year was so much fun that I'm still taking Miami and especially Miami Baltimore for week 17, uh, pretty much everywhere I can.
0: No, I mean, if you look at, if you look at where everyone's being drafted, the only enthusiasm is for Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, right? There's no enthusiasm for the running backs. Even A-chain, you know, had slid a bit. Again, I, you know, hypothesized because the market's worried about Dalvin Cook blowing up that backfield. But uh, Tua, you know, remains cheap. One of the Tyreek or Hill or Waddle drafters will often select him at a discount. And no tight ends being taken, no third wide receivers. Like, the market is definitely, like, this is the Hill and Waddle show, and we don't care about much else.
1: Yeah, which uh, you know is interesting. And Durham Smythe is a guy I feel like should start to get drafted at some point in tournaments, uh, besides on DraftKings. Um, I am on the clock here. This is an ugly spot to be in. Um, hate Saquon.
0: All the wide receivers flew off here.
1: Yeah. I'm wondering if it's time to reach for DK. I am going to reach for DK here.
0: Um. I am not going to reach for wide receivers. I'm going to take Tony Pollard here. Uh, my my thing too is like uh, with Barkley threatening the holdout, I know there's the Barkley Cup uh, week 17, whatever, but uh, I prefer Pollard to Barkley straight up. But if the room wants to give me a cheap Barkley share coming back in the third, I will do it. But this feels like I'm going to be taking a couple of running backs here. Maybe you know what I could potentially do a tight end. Maybe I would I would mix it up and grab like a Mark Andrews share here.
1: Uh, there it goes so Saquon goes twenty three to Donkey picks. Interesting, yeah, interesting little room here because I I think taking Metcalf was the right move for me. Um, it sucks though because somebody's gonna get a cheap Mahomes on the way back. Oh
0: wow, Brendan oh. did the Andrews Lamar, which I just don't like that. I, I see that done. I just I don't like it. So many teams have that at the three four turn.
1: Yeah, I thought that was gonna be an Andrews team for me. Um, but I guess not not so much.
0: The what I, I am gonna take uh Derek Henry here. I do have almost double Ramondre Derrick Henry, but my thought is I do think Derrick Henry's ADP is gonna to start to creep up a little bit more because there's so much more overall confidence in the Titans. Now that DeAndre's there, now that it means Ryan Tannehill is likely to play the full season, and part of like the worry about Derrick Henry was the systemic risk involved with you know Malik Willis or uh, Will Levis. Um, a lot of that has been removed now, um, and so I'm I'm starting to get a little bit more confidence on Henry. I saw our guy Easy from the Deposit Kingdom took him at pick 15 or 16 yesterday. I do think he could end up there, so I'll grab uh, some shares here while he remains cheap.
1: The odds of Henry being viable in week 17 and like Tennessee still being a full go and playing competitive games that matter like that has to have gone up with DeAndre Hopkins signing there and then also the likelihood of Tannehill being in the mix longer because of that. So I think there's like I, I'm with you on Henry, I think being a little bit undervalued just because of the, the signal that's there now for how this team goes where like they should be active because they added talent that uh, not all other teams could add at this point.
0: Yeah, pull up Eric and then Sam's comment. Um, Eric is is wrong about this because it's not unique. As Sam points out, I have now seen the Andrews and Lamar with Jefford Jefferson a ton of times, and you are sacrificing the equivalent of a third-round pick to mm-hmm. make that happen. So it's a weaker team, and on top of that, it's not a unique pairing. So it is it is not an optimal move. I think if you were, like, towards the end of drafting season, if you're reviewing your combinations you're like i just need some more mark andrews and lamar but the funny thing is is people don't do it from like the three and the four and the five hole as much where you could still get that done they always do it from the one hole because they get worried oh i'm not going to be able to get both of them um which is kind of silly because i don't think people are going to reach for lamar or snipe you on him if you take andrews at like 21 so if you want a galaxy brain it start taking it, um, more in the middle of the second round. So you're actually getting it unique, but the Jefferson Andrews Lamar, um, is, is pretty, uh, well-worn territory now.
1: Yeah, I actually, that's what I've been doing, Pete, is taking it where you were saying to take it. Um, because I do have a lot of Tyreek or I have enough Tyreek there to plant that flag. Um, so I could say from my perspective, I've reached for it, but I reach when I have the Miami player to start with Tyreek. Um, and I'd rather, I think I'd rather have that than a Jefferson Andrews Lamar that's not correlated for week 17 and also might be more common. Uh, So I'm, yeah, I'm I'm on the boat with you. I'm glad to hear you say that out loud.
0: Well, I do. And I like it. Like if I'm doing the, if you're trying to play the week 17 angle, do it with, with Hill or Waddle, right? Like that's, that's where I think you're actually supercharging that and saying, Hey, we're going to do a replay of what was it their week three or week four game last year. It was just Mm. this insane game where everyone popped off. Um, look at all of these wide receivers who have just, this is this was a this is a way uh, wide receiver heavier room than our last one bags. That's part of why I wanted to get ahead of it, because I, I was
1: feeling an avalanche coming this way and did feel like I could you know start to at least get some players that I don't mind, including Tyreek and Metcalf and and Cooper. Obviously, the latter two choices being more prevalent. Um, let's see. No easy correlations here. I think Pete, it's time to buy DeAndre Hopkins. I think he's mm. going to drop a little bit further. I feel like he should be in this Kirk AU range, but um, Hopkins to me at this point in a wide receiver avalanche, I, I don't have an issue with. Sorry to snipe him on your Tennessee correlation.
0: You you did not uh, snipe me on him. I think I prefer, like, obviously if I need a wide receiver and uh, Burks or someone is there, I'm going to take him. But I kind of, for the way the gauntlet works and I know over the years, there was some really interesting things where like Derrick Henry and AJ Brown were actually positively correlated on a single game basis. So you could push back on that. But I still think in like the really high 95th percentile outcomes, Derrick Henry is just going nuclear against the Texans and the passing game um, isn't getting there quite as much. So I kind of prefer Henry without the the wide receivers.
1: Yeah, I, I can see what you're saying with that one because I think over the course of a year, it's probably a pretty good bet to take Henry and Hopkins as like the you know the two guys who are gonna really drive that offense. But for a week seventeen specifically, you'd almost want to have a big bet on Houston going back the other way to say, like, oh, this is the only way that Henry and Hopkins are gonna get there for week seventeen.
0: Yeah. Wow. Um
1: take 50. Oof.
0: Yeah, I'm trying to figure out here if I, I've been surprised that Mixon is um hasn't been going earlier like i got him at 60 yesterday but because this room is so avalanche and i've already done my thing i think i just need to um go ahead and reach and get a wide receiver i like um i'm gonna just grab uh, JSN, who I've been trying to boost my exposure to a little bit. I have a lot of Godwin. I'm trying to kind of like chill on that in the same way I'm chilling on my locket, my Evans, I guess, you know, looking at my exposures, I could have taken Marquise Brown. If I had any kind of correlation tiebreaker there with Philadelphia, I think I would have, but I just, I prefer JSN to Marquise Brown. So went ahead and grabbed my favorite player in that range and uh, trying to stay ahead of this avalanche.
1: Yeah, I was thinking about reaching for another receiver here, but I do like the Dobbins correlation with Tyreek for week 17. And also, I just didn't want to reach for Godwin or Marquise Brown. I guess Lockett I could have reached for. um, Yeah, and people are pointing out to Nolan saying, I started the avalanche, and then I said I felt an avalanche coming. I think it would have gotten there either way. I just would have been on the bad side of it.
0: Yeah. The, the question though, Spags is like, and cause I, I mean, I deal with this all the time in my draft rooms and you have to ask yourself, um, to me, like the effect of the avalanche is, am I actually going to have to make suboptimal wide receiver picks later? Because I don't have enough, but the counter is you are sacrificing. I think a lot of projected points and upside when you take DK Metcalf over Tony Pollard, when you take Amari Cooper over Ramondre Stevenson or Josh Jacobs or even Brees Hall. And then the the thing I do, Spags, is – I, I think a lot about where I am on the draft board. And, you know, I mentioned in our last draft, how around 83, 84, that ends up being like the tipping point where all the wide receivers are dried up in avalanche rooms. So I will say when I'm picking on the front side of the board and I see, okay, I picked 70 and 75, or you have 69 and 76. I start to say to myself, even in an avalanche room, I might be able to just sneak in the last of those good wide receivers from that spot. And where I tend to reach for wide receivers. If I'm like, I'm going to be looking at Juju Smith Schuster as my fifth wide receiver at this spot. That's when I start to be like, all right, I'll reach and grab the wide receiver. Whereas here I'm like, okay, I think I can take the two detours and hopefully like two of the wide receivers I have at these specific spots.
1: I think that makes sense. I view it as a little more of a, okay, this room is going to be a little bit frothy throughout the position. So I now get a different configuration of guys that I view as mostly I wouldn't say a flat tier, but a flat enough tier where I don't think I have a lot of Tyreek with Metcalf, with Cooper, with Hopkins. I I probably actually don't have any of that particular foursome. So I think I view it as more of an opportunity to then get different with my usual kind of trying to be radicalized here, RB, and then probably getting walked off of it at some point because of the ADP values or whatever. Um, But I think it's, yeah, I think it's a different approach the way that you're talking about it that I should probably try to weigh a little bit more. Uh, For me, it's just like, this is a configuration of four receivers I'd never get. So I think that's what kind of appeals to me.
0: Yeah. And I do think there is that element in be- this, this goes back to what I was saying though, like where I do think there would be the trap is if you're always trying to get ahead of wide receiver avalanches and you're always doing that by taking DK Metcalf, right. who's like the next best. That's where I think you get into trouble because you're overexposed to a wide receiver. Who's part of one tier. And then on top of that, um, there's opportunity cost of who you're passing to get him.
1: Yeah, no, I, I I could see the way you're saying that for sure. Um, all right, nobody really correlates well with me here. Guess I could take a Damian Pierce share, but then hmm. you know, let's just take Traylon Burks. I think this is still a player that's gonna fall, but I'm panicking a little bit, Pete, and I don't want to take Akers or Pierce that much.
0: Um, that's fair. Um I let's see. You could take it. I, I want to get more Kyle Pitts. I normally do not take three D tours away. There's some wide receivers here I like, but hot damn, I want more Kyle Pitts. And uh, you know, this side of the board is where I want to do it, um, where he's more lined up at ADP. And so we will we're gonna be having to play catch up at wide receiver, but I have a few things that I might be able to do to keep pace. We will see. But yeah, I'm I, I need more Kyle Pitts bags. That's where I'm at
1: uh, what's your share of Kyle Pitts right now?
0: I think it was just slightly over. Um, okay. I'm at 10%. I, and I would really like to be at like 16 or 17%. Um, and I do get, um, you know, Quentin Johnston falls here. I think, um, that will be my play, you know, so you got some nice fallers here, Cam Akers. I could build out this bet on the Rams, but I'm just not going to do a fourth detour. I do really think that's a recipe for disaster. So I'll go ahead and get Quentin Johnston for my second draft in a row here, um, and then we'll get creative.
1: Yeah, I am. I think I was thinking about taking Damian Pierce. He now falls back to me, so I will take him here. Akers obviously a slightly higher ADP guy, but I am now making a bet on Tennessee for uh, overall in the season, but also for week 17. So I didn't, Pete, I didn't get Pierce on a, a Texan stack on Friday. People were actually mad at me for not taking him there, but I think Pierce and Singletary, like I go on, you know, who's going to be there when I want to take him. And there was a falling Madison when I could have taken Pierce, but I feel like Pierce is like nice 75 range. I'll take him at 70. I feel a little bit not great taking Pierce.
0: Yeah. And it goes, I mean, when it really feels good is when you are doing like a true RB build, like you are. You need a running back, and you get the faller. Uh, right. You know, I'm in a spot where it's like, yeah, Damian Pierce is a nice value. I actually want to get a little bit more Damian Pierce. Let me see what I'm at right now with him. I, it's it's definitely going to be light. I'm not fading him by any means. Yeah, three and a half percent. But like, if I'm taking two running backs early and Kyle Pitts, like I just cannot afford um, mm. to do that in in a wide receiver heavy room. So. It's a it's an interesting spot because you you tell yourself I want to get more of these guys, but then you have to ask yourself how am I actually doing that in practice? I mean, Damian Pierce it is really in zero RB built where then he becomes I think from the middle portion of the board, Damian Pierce becomes a really nice target when he falls to the seven.
1: Yeah, and that was I think the issue I ran into when I was trying to stack the Texans was I had taken Derrick Henry and it's like okay I don't really don't want to go back to running back for Pierce at that point and you know take him again where there's another follower that I can get at that point as well uh, but people love pierce i think that's one of the takes that i i'm probably to be dying on the hill of a little bit and it sucks because part of the reason i had some good teams last year was pierce walker and algier being guys and i guess james cook but probably not quite as much um like those guys being good but i think people are just so into pierce and walker again this year and i i think there's enough red flags here with both the teams and how they brought guys in in the offseason that I don't think they're the bets that normally a rookie who was you know good in year one going into year two would be like. I think Pearson Walker a little bit, a little bit steamed up because people are expecting that normal process.
0: Yeah, um, chat pointing out uh, donkey picks with an interesting draft: uh, Mahomes and Burrow back to back in the third and fourth round. Um, I guess honestly, since then uh, has been doing fine. Anchor Barkley. Um, We'll, we'll see. I, I do think you can salvage some starts like that, right? Like, do I think it's optimal to take those two quarterbacks there? No. Can you make it work if you uh, really make up with it with quantity and you build out the game stacks, which right now uh, they're kind of doing with Tony and stuff. So I'm going I'm to give them the benefit of the doubt. I'm rooting for donkey picks. <laughs> I'm rooting for donkey picks to salvage this.
1: I think you can make a Burrow Mahomes build work, but it does require both guys being values. And I guess he got that. The issue to me is that he then reached for John uh, for Deontay Johnson. And it's like, okay, you kind of undid the value you got at the QB position, at least from how I view it. Uh, but I like bets on Kadarius Tony, which I feel like I'm on an Island for, even though he's still, you know, at a solid ADP people just on social media,
0: people fucking hate Kadarius Toney. I, Kadarius, he's a polarizing one. He's another, he's like the Anthony Richardson too, right? Where, people bag on him, but then drafters are still taking him uh, aggressively.
1: Yeah, I would agree. All right. So do you have Tua still available here? Not a big discount, but um, I can take a QB cause I have five receivers. So I will take a QB here of Tua.
0: Yeah, I'm probably not. Ri- Where's the waddle drafter. That's the only other thing you could probably look at and see if the waddle drafter, you had him behind you. So maybe you could push it, but mm-hmm. this board is pretty flat right here. Um, uh, I don't really like this spot much at all. Um, all right. Who am I going to take? I guess I'm just going to take a guy I always take when the board gets flat and I don't like it. And that's James cook. Uh, but man, I like, I just, I don't like Isaiah Pacheco spags. And I guess you could have said if I had any correlation stuff, you know, if I had any other, uh, chiefs or. Bengals, I don't think it would have been bad. I was hoping um that Jamison Williams had fell to me, he did not. And Ma Williams at 98. Yeah with with Kamara to Donkey Picks. I know. Hmm. Okay. And now I don't have. Man, I do not like this portion here. I will just grab, I'm going to just, I'm going to play the hits here and grab uh sharbs and build out the running backs in this range.
1: Let's see. Nobody here screaming out to me at this point. <sighs> I do have a little bit of a bet on Cleveland with Amari Cooper, but I can't stack him up at tight end with Njoku. Um, I am going to take Evan Ingram here falling, I guess, just because I do want to get a tight end in, but really no, no feel for that one. Donkey Picks really has thrown the ADPs for a loop in this
0: particular. <laughs> Donkey, so yeah, Donkey Picks, Jamal there, Kamara. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. We, shall, so we I mean, like, Tyler Boyd ahead. would have made a ton of sense for Donkey Picks there with the Burrow uh, to get that double stack.
1: Yeah, I would agree. Um, you mentioned you don't like Pacheco, but you don't like McKinnon either. So you don't like any of the KC running backs?
0: No. I mean, really? it's, okay. it's what's funny too is that um, every year too, like you look at uh, the ADPs for the Chiefs running backs and like they have not hit. And I think it was like three years. Um, the, the backfield is just, I think it, it's still talent driven, right? Like, If they would have taken Jonathan Taylor over Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, I I feel pretty confident that Jonathan Taylor would crush in the Chiefs offense. And I actually think the right running back at the right time will. Um, But, yeah, I just think there's so much volatility there. I think they are likely to add one of these veterans. Would not be shocked at all to see a Leonard Fournette sign, yeah, as AF says here. Um, So I think you're going to get cheaper Pacheco and McKinnon. I think McKinnon is the stuff with McKinnon was weird where he was like free and then after crushing down the playoffs in what was it 2021 and then the like market just ignored it and then he was a really good pick where he was going and then he just was completely um removed from the office offense down the stretch and they turned it over to Pacheco and the fact that now McKinnon is more expensive than he was the year after is actually good playoff run is so bizarre to me so i'm more on the side of him being cooked um of anything and i'm just waiting for the other shoe to drop with this offense if we get more of a steady drum on like denaric prince you know as as Chipsy always likes to point out being an interesting late round flyer or one of these other veteran backs sign there but i guess my whole thing is i do not think the chiefs running back story is is settled yet
1: I still think it's Pacheco. I mean, he has been coming off of a torn labrum and maybe that's part of the issue too, is that he is injured and you don't want to buy necessarily on a guy coming off of that injury. I, I know like, I think there's logic you can make there both. And also, you know what you talked about with one of Dalvin or Lenny or whatever, like one of the Zeke going there potentially could be that uh, thing that hurts too. But I, none of that's happened yet. And I think that's where mm-hmm. I find an issue with Pacheco falling so much is that if anything, he looked primed to steal some of McKinnon's work overall McKinnon. We saw have the massive spike weeks, catching passes, Last year, like you talked about. So I think Pacheco's still worth the bet. Obviously, you know, saying that there's still some risk profile, but they haven't signed those guys yet. And I, you know, Pacheco's only getting healthier.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, the, I think too, like in those zero RB builds, similar to with Pierce, uh, I think Pacheco as like a first running back uh, or second running back in those builds makes sense. Um, hmm. What are you going to do here, Spags?
1: I'm going to take Nico here. Um, I do think that Brian Robinson would have been an okay pick, but I feel like I can get the cheaper Chicago guys later. Um, and I think just I was kind of a sweating.
0: More, you know. I was sweating that you were going to double tap, uh, take Gino to stack up with Metcalf because I was starting to feel a little queasy about my quarterback options.
1: I think I'm still going to take Tannehill late, but I guess that is a three QB build. Um, yeah, I, I could have taken Gino, I think I'm still married to the idea, mostly in my head, of going just to and Tannehill, but yeah. We got some wild takes,
0: wild takes in the chat today. We got C H could be the best value on the board, and we also have 2020 C H equals 2023 Uh, (laughs) Bijan. The the takes are flying today.
1: Yeah, really. I mean, uh, Bijan, the thing with Bijan is just that he's going to be what Algier was last year, but better, you know, overall. So I think that's the one ding for him. But I I, I don't know. People worry too much about the historical stuff when it's not a perfect analogy ever.
0: All right. I'm going to do something that feels gross, but I'm basically going to play this Jags Uh, wide receivers through the cheaper pieces here. I have Kirk, obviously not going to have Trevor Lawrence on this team, but I'm going to stack it up uh, without the QB and and tack on Zay Jones with Kirk.
1: And I was thinking about taking Robinson with the last pick. He falls again here. So I'll take him 13 picks after ADP and um, not feel that bad about it. Brian Robinson was used a lot last year and people have really fallen in love with the Gibson portion of things for no reason besides some occasional quotes uh, that are not even that strong in favor of him.
0: Yeah, I mean, again, this is this is the other side of the benefits of uh, what I would call forcing zero RB. How you did? Like, I think the downsides are you get funneled toward the same players, and there's opportunity costs on some of the the ceiling running backs. But what does happen in these rooms is you get really good value on pieces that make a ton of sense for zero RB builds because, like, in your build where you only have three running backs, you need some early season production. And Damian Pierce and Brian Robinson are like probably two poster boys for guys that we know are going to get a decent amount of carries right out of the gate. Um, So then when you get that at a deal as well, um, it certainly uh, comes together nicely.
1: Do you have any worries about Dobbins ADP? Because he's quietly also one of the running back holdouts, but is not, I guess, you know, Jacobs really hasn't suffered and Saquon is starting to suffer a little bit, but it does feel like he's quite like, nobody's talking about him, but he
0: is also not in camp or not, you know, participating in camp. I mean, my issue with the Dobbins thing, and I mean, I know why you did it because you were setting up that mini, uh, with Tyree kill, but like, I prefer Kenneth Walker to JK Dobbins by like a pretty decent bit. Um, and so their disparity in ADP and even in a vacuum, give me Joe Mixon over JK Dobbins. So my issue with him is just, if I am taking a running back in the scary dead zone, I have other ones I prefer. So when you compound that, I just have, not gotten as much Dobbins as I think I would otherwise like. Um, So yeah, that's, that's my issue with him, but I do like Dobbins. I I think he could really smash his ADP if things break. Right.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it comes down to, you know, the offense changing there a little bit and, you know, a lot more volume in the Georgia running backs under uh, Todd Munkin's offense there. So I think Dobbins is in a nice spot, but I think we might, that might be one of the biggest differentiation points we have in our overall portfolios um one three six one here still don't need to do much for houston though actually yeah i'm gonna take dalton schultz here i think this kind of solidifies me at tight end and i am putting a pretty big game stack here for houston tennessee so i'll take schultz and might do a three qb build with shroud antenna
0: mm. um let's see it looks like we will stay out of each other's way then <laughs> in that regard Do I just keep hammering Dolchich? I do have my Quentin Johnston mini again, like getting some upside here. This part of the board is fairly flat. I could do receivers, but man, like Rashi Rice just doesn't make it move for me. Um, Mm -hmm. And I've just kind of already deviated from that path of playing like the Cincy and Chief stuff. So I'm going to go ahead and tack on Dolchich here. Uh,
1: also, guys, if you are watching live or after the fact, we appreciate it a bunch here. Please make sure to subscribe to the channel, Splash Play, on its march to 3,000 subs. Pete on his march to 15,000 subs. So subscribe to both at the same time because they're about equidistant from those goals. And of course, fantasy football all year round here on Splash Play. You'll get me back on Friday doing spag stacks where I will spin the wheel and draft two teams at random based upon what that wheel tells me. But um, exciting times here, Pete, for both of us, though. It's going to suck when you crush your 15,000 subs and I'm still 500 away here <laughs> on
0: Splash Play. What do you mean, me, Spags? We're in this together. Come on.
1: True. Well, no, but, you know, it is still people. I know that I'm the driving force of the subs here, and, you know, I got to be good with that, but I I, I want to keep up. I want to b- fulfill the dream of a drunk show, Pete, at 15,000 subs and and 3,000 subs.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um. So I've... So one thing I I haven't enjoyed in this specific room is I've tried to like push some quarterbacks a few times. Like I, I did want to set up like a Daniel Jones potentially, and then unlock some late wide receiver options for me that did not work. And you know, we have Roger sliding here, but I don't have anything going there. So I am going to go ahead and pull the trigger on a slightly early Matthew Stafford. And now I'm wondering, should I have taken Higby instead of Dolchich and just gotten that double stack? But Part of me just like reaching for both Higby and Stafford there didn't feel good. I end up just doing Stafford, so I'll play it likely as a skinny, although there's late options. But the point is, is now with Stafford to Cup, I have plenty of Giants wide receivers late that I can kind of build out what I would consider a relatively weak wide receiver room for me.
1: I think that makes sense. I really thought that you were giving that monologue to talk yourself into taking another share of Rodgers. I
0: thought you were building up (laughs) No, that's the thing, too. It was the same reason why, like, Rashi Rice, I think just, like, best player for my team in a complete vacuum would probably be a wide receiver there with a little bit of upside. But I think I've learned, you know, as much as I'm a value hound, one thing I've learned a lot from drafting with Sean, too, is, like, I do think making those value hound picks will help your advance rate, would help me get out of this league with a stronger team scooping up that value. But if you if the team isn't built, to finish first out of 16 in week 15 and first out of 16 in week 16 and then have a chance to finish top 10 in week 17. Like what, what's the point, you know, we're drafting a tournament team here. And so obviously with, with Rogers, there's backdoor stuff you can do, you can do Conklin and Hardman and then maybe take Cedric Tillman or whatever, but it starts to be just like a thinner backdoor bet when I have no big bets on that. So when I don't think there's a lot of difference between, you know, Rogers and Stafford and I've already selected Cooper cup. It's just like, I got to lean into, I need Cooper cup to be an absolute smash. And how's he going to do that? Well, it's with Stafford playing decently.
1: I think that's one of the things too, that I've observed again, you know, having people sense more teams in. And I think it's the point of the QB is to decrease the parlay you're making overall. And if you take Rogers unstacked, then you're kind of reaching for, um, you know, Tyler Conklin and Michael Carter. It's like, Michael Carter and Conklin could even have good years and have spike weeks. It doesn't mean that Aaron Rodgers got there. Aaron Rodgers would get there for the year or even game to game because Garrett Wilson's great or Garrett Wilson and, you know, Brees Hall combined are great. And I think that's the one thing sometimes people miss with the stacks is like the point isn't just a stack up random guys. It's a stack up. The reason that a QB gets there or the reason that a receiver gets there.
0: Yeah, uh, exactly. And I'm curious to see what you do here. I have a player I want, but I don't think you're going to take him. You're not. I'm
1: going to take Tyje Spears here because I do have my Houston, Tennessee. So we are, this is the heaviest Houston, Tennessee stack I've ever had, but I will continue to build it out.
0: The, yeah, I like uh, Spears there in a zero RB build for sure. I took DJ Shark. I had taken two Jags. I needed a wide receiver. Shark um, falling past ADP gives me that. Week 17 correlation also gives me the option if I did want to maybe do a Bryce Young later as well i could add him as a third qb so dj Chark, not a guy i take a lot although this seemed like the perfect spot and i was talking to Hilo on my show uh, a couple weeks ago and he really likes that archetype of the boom bust uh, wide receivers van jefferson was a guy we targeted and i kind of had a blind spot to some of those guys and so i am when they logically make sense values correlation outs to quarterback i am trying to to get a little bit more exposure to those guys
1: yeah, I prefer Terrace Marshall to DJ Chark for sure, but they do kind of play the same role. So I think um, if you're a believer in Carolina's ability to be productive, and that's one of the best Pete, that I'm willing to make this year. I just think the rookies are going to be better each year, you know, and like kind of going forward. Uh, but what are you going to do here with your pick?
0: Um, I am debating here. I think what I will start to do, um, as much as I like all of these later giants guys, um, I don't end up with a ton of Hodgins. I'm pretty light on him. So I'm going to use this as a, opportunity to get a Hodgins share uh, with my bring back on the Stafford stack.
1: And I am going to, I believe get my sixth running back here, go Jeff Wilson's way. So a little bit more correlation with Tua, my Baltimore, Miami stack, all of that. Um, Chris asking is Tua lower ADP QB almost exclusively due to concussions, a real concern, but the offensive weapons are near top of the league seems like it should be closer to Herbert, not 40 spots later. Uh, Pete, I think it is entirely because of the concussion stuff. And I agree, like you shouldn't play your draft portfolio that way. Like
0: that's why I have a lot of Tua. Um, but how do you feel about it? Cause it does feel like he should be more yeah. expensive if not for that. I, I think if you told the market that Tua would play 17 games, I think he would be going in the sixth or seventh round, like after yeah. Justin Herbert. Um, but right around where Trevor Lawrence is going. Um, And probably he should probably go before Trevor Lawrence, if you knew you were getting 17 games from him. So I do really think it's fully concussion based. And just whenever I've talked about Tua being undervalued or talked about the Dolphins offense, the only pushback you get is uh, concussions, going to get hurt, uh, whatever. So I do really think that's solely responsible for his ADP, which makes him one of the most mispriced players because we do not care about, you know, those, those, we can't predict injuries. And when he does get hurt, whatever the team's dead, but when he does stay healthy, which is within the range of outcomes, he's going to be his draft slot slot by what, two, three rounds. So mm-hmm. when you have Hill and Waddle and two is there at ADP, um, he's, he's just an auto click.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. And I think that's why one of my favorite builds overall has been. Uh, Tua with AR, because those are two guys that I think can really beat that ADP meaningfully for different reasons. Um, But that's the kind of play to me that I, I think Tua is one of my favorite QBs overall. And, um, you know, it, it bothers me that people view it in that way where it's like, oh, he had concussions. Like, there's also helmet technology that's been improved. And and there's a randomness concussions that he's, like, also learned how to fall. So I don't know what else you could do, Pete, to prevent concussions. But whatever you can do, like, Tua has done it as much as you can.
0: Yeah. Um... I mean, there were, I think people were scared, right? There was legitimate chatter at the end of last season when he was held out, didn't play in their wild card game against the bills that he might retire. Like that was the talk. And I think that permeates people's decision-making when they're on their clock. They're like, this dude was close to retiring. Um, I, I don't want to take on that risk in the ninth round, but um, this is a massive lottery style tournament uh, where if you're not embracing some risk and taking advantage of uncertainty, um, I don't think you have a chance of winning.
1: Yeah. No, I'm, I'm fully with you on that. And Miami certainly showed more than enough last year for me to uh, want to be there heavily, uh, no matter what configuration that's coming through. Um, interesting chats here. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Chark is a gross pick would rather push the chips on him than Marshall. So you took Chark here, Pete. Um, mm-hmm. You take Marshall too. Like, yeah. Do you agree with that take from Blake here?
0: Yeah, I agree. They're both, they're both gross. Um, I have, yeah, I have like 5.8% uh Marshall and 4.7% shark. So there are two guys I'm going to be under on and you know, I'm going to just use them as correlation pieces with, with Jags players is primarily how I'm going to be, be playing that.
1: Yeah. I'm a little more open to the idea of Marshall. I I tweeted some of my reasons why for that uh, this week, of course, still trying to do a fantasy football take every day on my handle. Um, But Marshall to me, I think is a very similar bet to shark. The thing is that he's younger and then also hasn't been hurt. And um, you know, it's a new regime though, so we'll see. But what are you going to do with your pick, Pete?
0: Yeah, I, I want to keep drafting wide receivers. I kind of know what I'm doing with my last two picks. So uh, I'm going to just kind of double up on this Rams-Giants game and take Jalen Hyatt, um, a guy who's gotten really cheap. I have way more Wandell Robinson than Hyatt, basically when Hyatt was much more expensive. And now I'm kind of balancing it out a little bit more. They're both really cheap. Um sometimes they go undrafted in some of these, these drafts. But um, this was kind of part of the thesis of grabbing Matthew Stafford was giving me some green light toward these late round wide receivers as I try to catch up here with quantity after making so many detours early.
1: And Eric asking the question, when we talk about Carolina receivers, what about Visca? Do you, are you going to have a single share of Visca? You must have one share at this point.
0: I do have a share. I believe it was one of the first drafts I did with Pat um, on my channel to kick it off, it might have been opening night, or if not, the the following week, um, we did take a Visca share. I was trying to talk him into Terrace Marshall, and he goes, "I would take uh, Visca before I took Terrace Marshall." So I was all right. Um, really? Yeah. I mean, Visca, you got to hit a lot of things right. I think Visca, man, if you get positive training camp news, and he's a guy that's drafted in what less than one percent of Best ball mania, maybe that starts to get interesting as like a unique guy. Um, but I'm not there yet with my, old with love,
1: all, all the love for the Debo roll guys, Visca, the original Debo roll, many are saying. yeah.
0: So interesting. I still think I have two options that I could go for this other quarterback. Normally I've been trying to boost my Ritter exposure, but Bryce Young has a big fall here and I do have the double Jags bring back. So I'm going to go ahead and use this as a chance to uh, get Bryce Young. I got Bryce Young stacked with Chark, and then we got Kirk and Zay coming back. I was prepared to take Desmond Ritter with one of my last picks there to stack him up with Kyle Pitts because I do like that correlation. But uh, because I have a much bigger game stack with the Jags and the Panthers, I think scooping up the fall on Bryce Young there made some sense.
1: And I'm taking Tank Dell here because I got sniped on Tank Dell while doing a Texan stack on Friday and took Robert Woods instead. And uh, that's that's why you know, I'm stacking Texans here, Pete. So I got to get my Tank Dell shares, even though um, I get the logic for Woods. You you take Dell over Woods, right?
0: Uh, well, it's funny you say that because I I had a big Tennessee double stack going on Best Ball Breakfast yesterday where I had Nuke, uh, Burks. And so I was hunting for a Texans wide receiver John Mechie went in the 13th and then Robert Woods went like 20 picks ahead of ADP. So I did take tank Dell. I had told the chat, I was going to take a Robert Woods share. um, You know that I found Pat's uh, tweet so compelling that I needed to get a Robert Woods, but I do think it depends on like the type of team. So that team was a hyper fragile build where I'd started with three running backs where I do think I legitimately needed some of like the projectable volume at wide receiver. And I do Mm -hmm. think Woods makes sense in those, but if I have a zero RB build like you do, I want a guy where there's some rookie upside there where he could actually sniff my starting lineup. I think you could push back and say Nathaniel Dell's profile doesn't necessarily have like the huge kind of range of outcomes with just how he's going to be used. But in your build, the zero RB build, I definitely want Dell over Woods.
1: Yeah. No, I think that makes sense. And that's something that you taught me, I think, last year, or, you know, cemented in my brain more last year was the idea of like, you know, and this is not a guy who ended up paying off at all, but like the McKissick versus a. Hassan Haskins or Zamir White last year, where it's having that projectable volume, having some ability. You know, if you need a running back and you have a zero RB portfolio of a lot of rookies, you probably want to add a McKissick on. Um, and I think that's the same thing for receiver too, where if you have a solid base at receiver, you take the upside swing at Dell. But if you have like shitty receivers and you take Woods.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um uh- so we we haven't done a good job uh recapping our teams for the audio listeners here as we we head to the 18th round. I guess we could save the full recap. Uh for when we are about to finish here. But what are you deciding? You have a two, six, seven, two. Where are you thinking of going? This feels like maybe a three quarterback team for you.
1: Yeah, I think I'm going to take Tannehill here since I do have enough of a bet on Tennessee. Now three players with Tai J, with Hopkins and with Burks. And yeah, I mean, for a week 17 correlation, Pete, I don't run away from that too much. Two QBs from the same game, but especially if I have two a two, like it just doesn't matter if if Houston Tennessee doesn't really go off.
0: Yeah. Um, I my debate right now is um I do think I'm just gonna go really I'm gonna basically do hyper fragile here at running back. I think I'm gonna just stick with four. Um, Pollard, Henry, James Cook, and Charbonnet. I think you could say maybe this is a five running back team, but Um, because I felt weaker at wide receiver and I can complete two different double stacks. The decision I have is do I double stack Stafford or do I double stack Bryce Young? I'm going to double stack Stafford. He just feels to me more like a guy that I want to have two pass catchers with where I think if maybe Bryce Young rushes a little bit more, um, that maybe the skinny stack works there, but both games where I have two bringbacks coming back, I got two Giants wide receivers, two Jacksonville. Um, so close for me on the tiebreaker there of whether to go Marshall or 2-2, end up going
1: 2-2. I was hoping you were going to go Puka. I feel like you got to start taking a few Pukas with how much Tutu you take.
0: I am. I, I think Puka is a very fun story, but I think 2-2 is a much, much better bet.
1: Better right, prospect.
0: Well. Um, there's just not a lot like other than puka's cool name and like some fun puff pieces uh i don't really get it with puka all
1: right you want to read your team out pete here to give the final the servicing the audio listeners have been dying for this
0: last hour yeah i mean let's see here all right so ended up with a three four nine two build uh geno smith matthew stafford bryce young at quarterback my running backs uh tony Pollard, derrick henry james cook zach charbonnet Uh, Took running backs early and often, four through the top 100, but then just stopped. Wide receiver, Cooper Cup, Christian Kirk, JSN, Quentin Johnston, Zay Jones, DJ Chark, Isaiah Hodgins, Jalen Hyatt, Tutu Atwell. Fun thing about my wide receiver room, every single one of these guys is correlated with a Week 17 game. So I'm huge on Rams-Giants. I'm huge on Jags-Panthers and, uh, Seattle, no bring back there, but I do have JSN with Gino. And then also the Quentin Johnston, uh, Greg Dolchich mini, really the only guy who's not correlated on my team is I guess a couple, uh, Tony Pollard, uh, Derek Henry and Kyle Pitts. I actually was going to grab Nico too. Like if you went Gino at that spot, I was going to take Nico. And if you went Nico, I was going to take Gino there. Um, but overall don't mind this team. What did you finish with? Uh, my team here going to be at QB Tua, CJ Stroud and Ryan
1: Tannehill going head to head. Both have the same bye week too. Uh week seven running back, JK Dobbins, Damian Pierce, Brian Robinson, Roshan Johnson, Ty j Spears, and Jeff Wilson. Some week 17 correlation here, but not everybody. Uh receiver, Tyreek, of course, correlating with Tua, DK Metcalf, Amari Cooper, DeAndre Hopkins, Traylon Burks, Nico Collins, and Tank Dell. And a tight end, Evan Ingram and Dalton Schultz. I probably should have gotten a Carolina correlation. Cause I think that was why I took Ingram was to take one of those guys late Pete, but um, built out a unique game. We both built out the least sexy week 17 games, but I think we built them out pretty adequately. Yeah,
0: I think you're right. I think if you ranked uh, power rank them, what uh, Rams giants and Panthers Jags would both be, do- would be bottom five. And what was your two
1: Houston, Tennessee
0: would I think also yeah, be, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. Dump, dumpster diving for correlation.
1: There we go. So those are two drafts in the books. Pete, give the people the plugs one more time here. Of course you are on your March
0: to 15,000 subs and, and getting dangerously close by the week. Dangerously. Yeah. This was draft 91. We'll, we'll have to see. I, I assume draft 100 will end up taking place sometime next week. Another fun milestone. We've had some milestones on splash, but I think draft number 50 draft mm-hmm. number 69 draft 75 was on my channel. I saw the party uh, just,
1: favors here just in case.
0: There you go. So we'll, we'll see where draft 100 falls, but yeah, I I can't believe that by this, uh, by next week at some point, I will be two thirds of the way done streaming all of these, uh, this video, the second it finishes, you can leave a comment and that will get you an entry into my $1,500 giveaway, three winners, $500 each win my channel. Hit 15k subs, and what when? What did we tell the people we would do a drunk stream? You and me. What's our? It was
1: 15,000 on your channel, and then 3,000 here on the Splash Play channel. So we're pretty much equidistant in terms of those milestones. It's just you know the rate that Splash Play goes, not going to quite be aligned, but it's going to be close. I think if we get them both done before the season.
0: Yeah. Um, and I, as far as my other stuff, I am going to hop on Pat's uh, anniversary millionaire stream today at two. I'll be in the fantasy live discord at three 30. I don't think we're going to have the club today. The, uh, the Pat draft uh, shifted my schedule around, but uh, those are my, my main things. And then I'll be back as usual for best ball breakfast on my channel tomorrow at 10 AM with Pat and Sean.
1: Yeah, so follow Pete at Peter Overset. Of course, make sure to subscribe to the channel. If some reason you are subscribed to splash play and not subscribed on there, follow me at Chris Spags. I'll be back on Friday doing the double header spag stacks spinning the wheel there. I think I've got 16 teams left to hit. So uh, we're on pace for that one as well, but appreciate if you guys want to come hang out with me then. And of course, hit the join button down below. If you want to join the splash play channel and have me review up to 10 of your teams per month, I'm happy to do it and happy to uh, learn from you guys as well with wh- what you're drafting out there, Pete, because a lot of sharp drafts is that in your deposit kingdom community especially that I feel like you've cultivated and now I get to reap the benefits of actually looking at all their teams
0: it is it is nice that's a nice perk even though you did have to walk back your unlimited uh team reviews there yeah but become a member to the channel and you can send those to spags in the uh the splash play channel within the deposit kingdom discord which by the way if you guys aren't in there uh deposit kingdom awesome place to be all kinds of channels there uh the badge bros have all the multi sports going we got general best ball channels of course the splash play channel where spags is uh very good at uh answering your questions if you guys are youtube members so hop in the deposit kingdom discord and uh and get better at best ball
1: yeah lots of like-minded folks in there that'll help you up your games go check that out and of course go check out pete's go, go check out the entire patch stream go over there right now go check it out support our boy on uh, celebrating his big day here july 18th or july 18th the day of winners is what we're going to call this one moving forward appreciate all you guys hanging out with us we'll see you guys again soon enjoy your weeks good luck bye <laughs>